and rousing body out of the water because Wahine was a one song. It's the legendary sound of the Lonesome Buckwhips, the definitive band of the 21st century. Their album Live at the Gold Guitars has sold more than 17 million copies to date, and illegal downloading may account for three times that number. I still hold her hand when we're crossing the road. And I still lend him my hanky when he's getting a cold. I still use the shower when she's on the commode. And I still cuddle him like I was six years old. The Buckwhip's popularity transcends social boundaries, topping charts from Heartland America to Communist China. Last year they grossed $410 million in album sales alone. More than Elvis and the Bible combined. Nothing's changed, we're still the same. But the Buckwhip's road to glory has resembled not so much a highway as a game of snakes and ladders. I've been hit three times by a bus. Saved enough cash to buy a bike that my daddy sold. Over this groundbreaking series, Radio New Zealand will trace the remarkable journey that led the Buckwhip family, Artie, Gary, Miri and Benny, from their humble beginnings in a one-bedroom caravan to the pinnacle of popular music and back. This is the story of... The Lonesome Part one of our multi-part series is an unprecedented account of Gary Buckwhip's escape from prison and the resulting overseas tour that led to the Buckwhip's alleged death on the high seas. We have to go a long way back into the Buckwhip's history to find the seeds of their success. I know you are a shit, you are so what am I? You're a fish face. Here's Artie and Miriam talking are, about those seeds. Yeah, we're just a family band, always have been. We've been pretty much playing together all our lives. Yeah, we, we've been releasing albums since before we could walk. Gary wasn't even born when we recorded this one. You hear that? Yeah, he's doing the percussion. <laughs> yeah, it's faint, but that's the heartbeat recorded from his ultrasound. But it was quite a few years before the band started working in earnest. Well, up until Gary's... In jail oration. Yeah, accident. Um, we'd been playing country pubs from to a tarp route of Takaka, and we kind of managed to make enough to get by, mm. but we'd never really sold any records. Well, we had other priorities. I was juggling jobs. During the days, I was full-time possum trapping and training fighting dogs, and at night I brought food to elderly people. Benny was full-time alcoholic, and Marie, Marie was always busy with her meals on wheels, nannying. Yeah, my life was really regimented around then. I remember, like, I'd, I'd get up at 10.30, and then I'd sit down for a while, and that usually took a couple of hours. Um, and then I'd have to go and have a shower, dry myself off, sit down some more. The nanny came on at 4.30, and I usually needed at least 15 minutes for my emotions to recuperate after that. At least. And then by then it was time for meals on wheels. Oh, I remember that time it was cold. Oh yeah, one night it turned up on the doorstep and it wasn't even cooked properly. I couldn't believe it. I had to go and put it in the microwave. The real turning point came for the band when Gary Buckwhip was two months into a sentence for cruelty to animals. Apparently, he'd killed a seal. 
Yeah, uh, I was driving the family ute down to a bay in the Catlins where Benny likes to poach. It, it was a seal lying in the middle of the road. Of course, I didn't know that. I, I just thought it was a homeless man in a sleeping bag. Benny Buckwhip was in the car with Gary on that fateful day. Well, it's my poaching hole and there was a seal lying in the middle of the road. I told Gary to watch out. Benny told me to floor it. I tried to swerve, but he grabbed the wheel. I told him to slow down, but no more seal, no more Gary. They're a, uh, they're a highly protected species, and the one I hit was pregnant with twins. I got four months. A couple of months after Gary went in, we were all in the caravan, Artie, me, Benny, and um, we got this phone call in the middle of the night. Hello? Uh, Mitty, can I speak to Benny? Uh, yep. Benny, you. Hello? Hey, it's me. Gary. Gary! Artie, Mitty, it's Gary. Hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. Uh, I got your letter, Benny. <laughs> well, Benny liked to send Gary letters about how much fun we were having without him. He used to copy out big sections of Will and Price novels. A tiger adventure, whale adventure, gorilla adventure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, look, I'll read one. Dear Gary, it was on the fourth morning of our trek that we came across the silverback. A truly beautiful specimen with mist wafting like wafting, smoke wafting, wafting like smoke from the chimney of his nose. Artie grabbed the net and crouched on the jungle floor. Hal leant forward. Oh, he forgot he, to change the oh, name there. But this is the bit that really got Gary. After we sell the gorilla, we are going to use the money to record a new album. Sorry you will not be able to be there with us. Is it true? About the gorilla? Yeah. Are you making an album without me? Yep. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're making an album. Yeah, it's true. Sorry, Gary. What's it called? No, Gary, no cry. How could you, Benny? Uh, opportunism? <laughs> See? <laughs> but I, I need your help. Uh, we've already done everything we can, Gary. Yeah? Well, you can confess to killing those seals. I mean, you did it. I've, I've done my time, Gary. I can't go back there. For you, it's new. It's exciting. You're in jail for the first time. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, big boy. No tears, eh? We thought he was just having a freak out, eh? Yeah, yeah. Jail is a bit like holiday camp. You have to get over the homesickness, and then you are away laughing. Three meals a day, supervised activities... I tried to cheer him up. Hey, Gary, I've actually written a, a song about my memories of prison. Well, would you like me to play it to you? Get you to sleep? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Oh, it's called Ooh, Prison is a Place on Earth. <laughs> I got sent to jail for eight to ten. Released in three, now I'm free again. And I'm feeling homesick for those concrete walls. I miss the gym man, I miss the food. I miss my bed being by the loo. I'm only six points off my law degree. In jail I spent the best years of my life. The 
inmates and the guards were really nice. I'd recommend it to you all. Life in prison is a ball. I spent the bestest, coolest time behind bars. There you go, make you feel a bit better. Daddy, I... Pimp you up, did it, Gary? Stoke the fires of hope? No, 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 I... Guys, I've got something to tell you. Hey, can it wait? Are you no. going to kill yourself, no. Gary? Have you thought about how you might go about it? Benny! No. Don't do it, Gary. You've got your whole sentence ahead of you. I'm not going to kill myself! I've escaped. I'm standing at the front door. Can you let me in? Gary's albino. White as a sheet, and what he'd done was is he closed his pink eyes and thrown himself into a laundry basket. <laughs> yeah, oldest trick in the escape manual. But because he's a skinny albino and closed his pink eyes, he actually got away with it. The amazing thing is, they didn't discover he was gone for a week because he left pillows under his duvet. His roommate made love to the pillows for a week, which says a bit about Gary in the sack. Oh, Artie totally panicked. He wanted to call the cops straight away, and I had to physically restrain him. Uh, un okay, we had a lot to lose from Gary's escape. It put us in a really, really <laughs> tricky situation. I had 15 fighting dogs tethered in the woodshed. Benny was manufacturing jam in the bathtub, and Mitty had just torched a guy's car after he gave her bad feedback on trade me. By escaping from jail and coming home, Gary was, he was turning the headlights on us. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for Mitty, I think I'd have ended up back inside. Benny's interpretation of Mitty's heroics shed some light on events. Yeah, you see, Mitty had a severe gambling problem. She was addicted to Pelican Pete, which is a slot machine uh, shaped like a bird. If you get three pelicans in a row, it spits out gold coins. Uh, if you get four, lays a golden egg. And phew, she was just feeding it like a monkey in the zoo. She needed money fast and she thought we could use Gary's escape to our advantage. That is bullshit. The only reason that we were short on cash was because of Benny's bloody drinking. Do you know, I actually caught him trying to refinance the family caravan just so that he could pay off his tab at Fiddles's. What? Fiddles's? It's, um, it was kind of like a family tavern. It's down the end of our private road. It got set up by our uh, uncle Fiddles. He built it there pretty much to cater for Benny's desire to drink and drive. I'm not really sure where Fiddles got his name. Uncle Fiddles is a great violinist. He taught me everything I know. He's a pedophile, but he's done his time. We should give him a break. Why should he keep paying for something that's in his past? Like my fridge I got on HP. I got that ages ago and I'm still paying for it. I'll tell you who the real criminals are. It's those people I bought my fridge off. I'm interested in how you might have taken advantage of Gary's sudden reappearance. Oh, well, I suggested that we use Gary's fugitive status to kick off on a tour of the provinces, just going from small town to small town to earn some cash. You know, like a fugitive tour or something like that. Yeah, so we hit the road. I was really looking forward to it, actually. I, I live for music and we were at our best life. Artie is completely incompetent as a musician. The funny thing is, he can't hear it. I mean... You'd have to hear his solos to really see what I mean. 
Ali Buckworth, ladies and gentlemen. bunch of songs none of them were any good They seem to get a really good response. I didn't really enjoy the Small Towns League of the Tour, and to be honest, I don't think the crowd did either, especially in Riverton. Uh, I can't remember a band. Uh, the jukebox was out of tune. Some fisherman kept sticking coins in my mouth and then poking me in the eye. Uh, without a doubt, our biggest hit on the tour was a song that I wrote for a city, which in our minds has always stood out for its hospitality and just the way it deals with people's differences, you know? Um, it really is our favourite place in the country. Yeah, the tour was going great. We played Luggett, Shag Point, remember that? Herbert. Duntrin. Wainakaru. Washdike. Leaston. Darfield. Oh, here it is. Waipara. Geraldine. Quizzy. And a guy. It's the city of hate, but Christ, I love you. It's a slice of South Africa in our own backyard. The gardens are nice, the racism's right. I strangled my wife. Please, Please take me back to Christchurch. Rich old ladies dressed in lace. Of the master race, the roads are built extremely well. They all lead one way straight to hell. In the city of hate, but Christ, I love you. It's a slice of South Africa in our own backyard. The gardens are nice. The racism's right. Can I drive? Please take me back. Please take me back to Christchurch, the latest place on earth. We were doing new songs, old songs, 
every bar had free drinks and slot machines. Uh, but the best thing was that for the first time in our lives, we were actually spending some really quality family time together, you know? We'd never really done that because of our upbringing. Our parents were very different people. Our father, Randy Buckwood, worked at the local rugby ground. He scared seagulls off the pitch. Yeah, their guano is quite infectious if it gets into open wounds. And the Cavisham Bulldogs were a pretty bloodthirsty side. <laughs> our dad met our mum, Fanny, at a first grade uh, match between the Cavisham Bulldogs and the Kiatola Tigers. Fanny was captain of the Bulldogs, right? Great front rower. And the men in the team actually had a lot of respect for her. Not not because she was the first woman to play in the league, but also because she had a name tattooed on her forehead. <laughs> she had this tattoo uh, up here. It said, no nukes. Yeah, she had this tattoo just up here. It said, Fanny. Yeah, it was in mirror writing, but she did it herself in the mirror. Randy, Dad, uh, was the musical one, and Mum was sporting. Uh, we didn't get to know her very well because she got sent to prison when we were really young. Yeah, Mum was really passionate. She'd gone down to the pub to watch the Bledisloe Cup. The All Blacks had lost to Australia and, well, she took it out on Dad. Yeah, her getting sent to jail was a good early lesson to me. Never get caught. Not getting caught was to become something of a family tradition. Police Chief Raymond Banks explains why the police were unable to catch the Buckwhips on their so-called fugitive tour and return Gary to jail. Yeah, well, the country community put up a wall of silence, uh, perhaps out of loyalty, but uh, perhaps because no one knew or cared who the Buckwhips were. Well, we played under our own name every night. I made sure I named Gary as much as possible, but no one connected the dots. Yeah, we were on the road, we were making some great tunes, no one was recognising us. It was bliss, really. First big problem came about from an internal issue. I was getting suspicious of Artie and Mitty's relationship. I saw them one morning and they were going bite for bite on a piece of toast and where I come from, which is exactly where they come from, that means they're in mummy daddy love. Things came to a head in Cheviot. It was around about the start of the gig and we get to do the introductions. That's where things started to get here. Hello Cheviot! We're the likes of Huck Whips. We're back together and we're back in concert. On keys tonight. I saw him this morning at a primary school. He was playing soccer with a bunch of kids before class. He does not live in the area and he's not a qualified teacher. What were you doing there? Gary Buckwood! And on rhythm guitar, by day, possum trapper. By night, possum trapper. Wins know him as Tussy Tussy Lau. As a musician, he's known as mildly competent, Artie Buckwood! The man who puts drinking and driving in the same sentence night after night. Don't get in a car with him, he'll frame you for cruelty to animals. It's Betty Buckwhip! Thank you. She's the most talented musician I've ever met. She can make a block of wood sing like a bellbird with a cottonwool nest. She's my wa, my only, Minnie Buckwhip! 
to go wrong. Cheers, thanks a lot. Adi, uh, what's a wah? Um, Gary, we've got something to tell you. Since you've been away, Mitty and I have spent a lot of time together in the caravan. Basically, to, to cut a long story short, Adi and I watched Notting Hill and things got out of hand. Mitty is now my wah. What's a wah? For all intents and purposes, we're married. You, you can't marry her, she's your sister. She is my step-sister. Technically, Gary, it's a civil union. But you grew up in the same caravan. You're still there. You had baths to get, and we still do. You're a firecracker, Gary, and we knew you'd react like this. So we wrote a song. I think it says it all. It's called For We. Yeah, I don't think I want to be here for this. Benny? Benny? He's gone. Benny has the ability to go into a catatonic state where his body is physically there, but his mind is not. Buddhist monks achieve it after spending six years sitting on a rock in the Himalayas. Benny got it from driving his motorbike into a power pylon. Let's go. <laughs> Baby, I can't strum when you're holding my hand. I don't want to let go. I still hold her hand when we're crossing the road. And I still lend him my hanky when he's getting a cold. I still use the shower when she's on the commode. And I still cuddle him like I was six years old. I still go seconds on the bubble gum. And I still pull her hair and paddle her bum. I still let him tickle me under the sheets. And if we go to bed early, I still get a treat. Nothing's changed, we're still the same. We still live together and we share the same name. Not that it's your business anyway, Gary. These days, more people walk down the aisle to full wear than to the pudding. And whatever he offers me, I'll happily munch. It's basically the national anthem of middle America. It's really hard to imagine it. At the time, it was very, very controversial. We don't care what people say. We don't have matching DNA. We're just like a normal family in a state house in Costafine. Holding on credit and the fridge on HP. Feeding our rent to the pokey machines. Having more kids than we can support. Constant appeals to the family court. Avoiding getting done for benefit fraud. Living the dream and knowing we I should imagine a song like that, well, it's going out on a bit of a limb. It challenges social conventions and, indeed, musical conventions. Yeah, sure it does. People are going to react strongly when you ask them to change the way they think. Jesus must have felt the same way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose he, he must have. And, indeed, the initial reception for the first public outing for the song was anything but positive. Hostile would be an accurate description, and it saw the band fleeing for their lives. Come on, get in the van! Let's go! Benny! Benny! Leave it! Benny! Benny! Alcohol! Coming! 
think our relationship with Gary uh, deteriorated from that point. Gary doesn't like change, and Gary doesn't understand science. Yeah. So the DNA thing was actually really, really important, because technically, Adi and I aren't even brother and sister. Exactly. We, we have the same father, but we have different mothers. Now, Fanny was in jail, and Dad was playing pretty regularly at the course of RSA. One night, he met a Rousey called Pania, who could harmonise by ear, and they just hit it off. One thing led to another, and then nine months later, a basket turned up on the front porch. You were the most beautiful baby I have ever seen. <laughs> I was in love with her from day one. I see. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the money aspect of this Gary Fugitive tour. It, it is true that you didn't actually make much, if any, money, isn't it? The whole point of playing these gigs was so that we could try and make some money, but we couldn't. Because of the overheads. We no. Very high overheads. No, no, Adi. The reason we couldn't was because you'd tied us into a stupid arrangement with a cigarette company. Yeah. I've always felt a great affinity with the two Hoi people, because I too have suffered from people signing contracts on my behalf. Oh, did he? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Gary on that. Um, in 91, Artie signed a contract to advertise Dumbro cigarettes in perpetuity. Artie thought it was a good deal. He said it was the easiest cocoa body butter gift pack we'd ever earn. Perpetuity. <laughs> well, that, that's the problem. Artie thought perpetuity was a small town in central Otago. Well, four years later, cigarette advertising was banned in New Zealand, but we were contractually obliged to play it. We were getting fined 10 grand every time we played it, but we had to play it. It was really cutting into our margins. G'day, Tamuka. Uh, tonight we have a very special treat for you. Benny? Benny? Uh, tonight we have on offer a Dunbro starter pack. Features two bungers, two matches, and a picture of Shane Warne smoking. With enthusiasm, Benny. I just don't think I could do this anymore. It hurts me in the feelings. Like it or not, Benny, we are contractually obliged to play this song in perpetuity. This is a song called Dunbro. It's about the life and non-smoking related death of a smoker. One, two, three, four. Cigarettes are really cool. We all smoke them at my school. They make you think, they make you smart. I swear that's not a lie. If you're wanting to get laid, cigarettes will pave the way. The hotties will gravitate to your sexy husky voice. Back a day is truly bliss. You love tobacco, smoky kiss. You'll gladly cut your high school class, but never cigarettes. Dumbra heavy, Dumbra light, Dumbra get to sleep at night, Dumbra mornings when I wake, Dumbra gets me through my day. Well, in between that and Benny's parking tickets, we had about $3 million in unpaid fines. So we decided to sort it out face to face and travel across the Cook Strait to Dunbar Cigarettes headquarters in Auckland. That was a big step for us. We'd never been overseas before. 
But I knew that um, if all else failed, Auckland had a big casino in the sky where I could gamble us back into the black. The Cook Strait is an impressive body of water. Unswimmable. The only option was to take the ferry, the Inter-Islander. But we didn't have any cash. Um, but there is a deal that on the Inter-Islander that if you're a band and you play a gig on board, you can actually get free passage. Which would be fine, except that Benny was very reluctant. I hate boats. I told them I wasn't going on until I got a box of beer. Funny thing is that Benny had written a song for the Inter-Islander commercial that was rejected. Instead, they went with cruising on the Inter-Islander by the Waratahs. I hate the bloody Waratahs. The Waratahs are the Buckwhip's mortal enemies. They've been a mainstay of the New Zealand country music scene for the best part of three decades. The band features iconic lead singer Barry Saunders, and ironically, Saunders does not remember Benny's deeply felt rivalry. I know it seems ridiculous now. I mean, they're famous. But at the time, I'd never heard of the lonesome buckwhips. When it came to the Inter-Islander ad, I thought the Waratahs were the only ones asked to do it. I didn't even know they'd been the contentious tender. I didn't realise the buckwhips were bitter about being passed over. I'd been getting dead possums in the post at the rate of two or three a week. But I didn't realise it was Artie sending them to me. It was a great gig. Well, for a while anyway. Let me hear you say heck yeah! We were playing all the hits and a few duds. And anyway, I decided to dust off my Inter-Islander song. This is a song I wrote for the Inter-Islander commercial that was rejected. And you be the judge! Everything was going fine until, well, there's a bit in the song when Gary does a voice break. All passengers to report to mustering stations to receive life jackets. Gary, tie her, mate. Well, he knew. There's not enough life rafts. Yeah, I was amazed. I mean, there were real cries of fear from people who thought that what I was saying was real. Shit! What are we going to do for the uncle? Benny, come on, you're going to get electrocuted! Benny wouldn't leave. I wanted to die. This is Radio New Zealand News at 11 o'clock. I'm Catriona McLeod. An onboard musical act has sparked the mass evacuation of the inter-islander ferry Arahura. Lifeboats were lowered into the water and during the confusion, the crew became distracted, allowing the vessel to veer off course and strike Barrett's Reef, site of the Waiheni disaster more than 40 years ago. Coast Guard were on the scene in minutes. All passengers are safe and accounted for. However, the band who were playing at the time of the incident were last seen fending off fellow passengers to make room in the life raft for their instruments. Police Inspector Raymond Banks is overseeing rescue efforts. Well, we believe the band is harbouring escaped prisoner Gareth Buckwhip. Uh, we will be devoting extensive resources to bringing both him and his family 
to justice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Gary is uh, an albino and is difficult to see against a white background. He is extremely talkative and should not be approached under any circumstances. Artie insisted on navigating by the stars. He took a west at Matariki when he should have gone south. Beginner's mistake, but as luck would have it, it actually saved us. And in news just to hand, the lonesome buckwhips are missing, presumed drowned. Their lifeboat was washed ashore at Haast on the west coast of the South Island with no sign of the band. We found ourselves in the rare position of being dead. You know, it's actually probably the best thing that could have happened to us as a band. Yeah, I was no longer a wanted man. We were free of all our old debts and contracts. And better still, we were in a position to cash in on it by making a posthumous album. It was the next big step in our careers. next time as we continue the remarkable history of the Lonesome Buckwhips. We'll explore the band's dead period, during which they record a posthumous album and embark on a legendary poaching trip to Tyree Mouth. I'm Justin Gregory, and make sure you join me again for a story of a band, the story of the Lonesome Buckwhips.